I'm reading from Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Thank you, Chris and Carlene, very much. No, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, it's good. Good morning, everybody. I said Merry Christmas a few minutes ago. Didn't get much of a response. Let's try it again. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, wonderful. Thank you very much. Very enthusiastic down there. Okay. So, uh, obviously, we're talking about Christmas. And um, that story from Luke chapter 1 is quite incredible. I hope that, let me get this a little higher. I hope that, that you're not so familiar with that story that you no longer see what a phenomenal story it really is. I hope that you haven't heard it so many times that it just kind of washes over you and you don't really hear what is being said in that story. I want to spend just a few moments this morning talking about that story and what it's presenting to us. What it's presenting to us is a question. God through Gabriel, is asking Mary a question. And that question is simply this. Will you partner with me to change the world? Will you partner with me to change the world? That's why she responds back the way she does. She says, basically, yes, may it be to me. I am your servant. Yes. The answer to your question, God, is yes, I will partner with you to change the world. We all want God to show up in our worlds, not just the big, wide world. We all want God to show up in our own personal world and to change our lives, to make a difference, to do something. We all have problems we want solved, or we have passions that we want satisfied, and we go to God and we pray. This is why people pray. God, I want you to do something. You know, studies even show this. Think about this, that even atheists pray. Even atheists pray. You know why? Because it is so in us, that desire is so strong in us that we want God to interject himself into our world and to make a difference. And so people who say, I don't even believe in God, 
pray because at those times, what's in their heart is so strong that it disengages from their brain, which they say they don't believe, and they begin to pray. We all pray. We want God to change our world. And what's being said here, it's a question. Will you partner with me? This is how the Christmas story begins. The Christmas story begins with a question, will you partner with me to change the world? In 1952 in South Korea, a minister by the name of Everett Swanson, he's in South Korea, he sees bitter poverty throughout that country affecting children, affecting many children. He says, you know what, God? We got to do something about this. And so he begins to do something about it. He says, we're going to provide four things. We're going to provide food, shelter, education, and medical care. And that he made, God, you and I, we're going to partner together. I don't know how far this is going to go. We're going to begin to do this. Today, over 50 years later, hundreds of thousands of kids, hundreds of thousands of kids in 26 countries are having their lives changed through a partnership with Jesus Christ. The Christmas story begins with a question. Will you partner with me? I know many times we look at situations in our own personal lives or in the world. We say, God, why don't you do something about that? And we can get frustrated. I've done that many times. God, see this situation here? Why don't you do something about what's going on? Do something. If you look at God, just look at God himself, you see his own nature, who he is and how he functions in this world. God is a trinity. In the Christian faith, we believe God is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What's that? It's a divine community. It's a divine community. It's all about partnership. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a partnership, and they enter into a partnership to change the world. There's the Christmas story. God is not into independence. God is about interdependence working with us to make a difference in the world. That has so much to say to us here at Christmas time. But how we are going to continue the hope along with God to change the world. Consider a couple of scriptures here. Second Corinthians 5:20. Think about this. It's written Paul writes, "Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ." Let's stop right there. Ambassadors. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative. So here we are representatives of Christ. Well, okay. Look, if God just is going to do everything on his own, he doesn't need us, we're like, hey, God, why don't you step into this situation, all the bad stuff going on in the world, and just make a difference. What's up with you, God? You know, I don't even know if I believe in you more, God, because you're not changing the world, right? And God says in his scripture to us, he says, you know what? You're my ambassador. What are you saying? He says, I need you to be my representatives. I need you to partner with me. And so my, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, okay, why can't you just represent yourself? Why can't you just represent yourself? Paul goes on. He says this. God is making his appeal through us. Why is the scripture telling us this? It's telling us this because God is saying, I need you to partner with me. The world does have problems. And if you'll partner with me, I can change it. What is your answer to the question? When God says, I need you to partner with me, is it, yep, I'm on board. Let's do it. Or is it no? God just doesn't go about changing the world he does it through us. He does it through us. Mark 13, Jesus. It says this, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So Jesus is in a certain town, and uh, obviously he's wanting to do different, he's wanting to change people's worlds. He's wanting to show up in people's lives. 
but nothing much is going on. And why is it going on? Is it because he doesn't want to do it? No, it's because he couldn't find any partners. Mark chapter 6. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed that nobody would partner with him to change the world. You think about the only miracle, everybody, that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anybody know what that miracle was? You know the one miracle is recorded in all four Gospels? We give you a $100 gift card to Starbucks if you've got the answer. Just joking. <laughs> Feeding of the 5,000. Feeding of the 5,000. How did that all go down, everybody? I mean, come on, God. You know right? You created the fish, go ahead and make a bunch of fish. All these people are hungry, let's feed them. Boom, simple story. Kaboom, multiply fish all over. He doesn't do that, does he? Isn't that amazing? He doesn't do that. He says, does anybody here have fish? Oh yeah, we got a, we got a young boy and he's got a couple fish and a few loaves of bread. He says, okay, bring them. Is he willing to partner with me? Bring them. And then what does he do? He doesn't multiply them. He blesses them. And he, he gives these few measly scraps out as the, the disciples. Can you imagine how those boys must have felt? Here, Peter, take this little piece of fish and go feed the 5,000, right? So he gives them the little piece, and, and as they are going, the fish multiply. Are, are you catching this? It's a partnership. God is not about independence. By his very nature, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's about interdependence, and he wants to partner. And this is what he's saying to Mary in the Christmas story. Will you partner with me to change the world? Okay. Our staff has been reading this book. Maybe some of you read it, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. There is a very interesting portion in this book right at the, at the beginning on pages 14 and 15. This is what it says. Steve Jobs grew up going to church, went to a Lutheran church. Jobs' parents, quote, wanted him to have a religious upbringing, so they took him to the Lutheran church most Sundays. That came to an end when he was 13, 13 years old, everybody. July 1968, Life Magazine. Anybody remember Life Magazine? Everybody sleep? Okay. 1968, Life Magazine published a shocking cover showing a pair of starving children in Biafra. Jobs took it to Sunday school and confronted the church's pastor. This is what you want out of your kids, the confrontation to the pastor. Confronts the church pastor. He says, quote, Jobs says this, If I raise my finger, will God know which one I'm going to raise even before I do it? And the pastor answered, yes, God knows everything. Jobs then pulled out the life cover and asked, well... Does God know about this? And what's going to happen to those children? The pastor says, Steve, I know you don't understand, but yes, God knows about that. Jobs announced that he didn't want to have anything to do with worshiping such a God, and he never went back to church. Now, let's cut the pastor some slack for a second, all right? He is confronted by a highly intelligent 13-year-old boy who is driven like nobody's business. If you have not read this book, you should read this book. I know you love Apple products, but would you have really wanted to work for the man? I don't know. The guy was insane. Okay, so he's driven. He's intelligent. Is all get out. Now, let's say the pastor gets a redo. We all want to redo, right? We all want to redo. If he could have redone that again, what could he have said to him? What could he have said? He could have said, you know what, Steve? 
It is obvious that you are a very gifted and talented young man and driven. We can see that every Sunday as you're around the church and you're stirring things up all over the place. And God is putting it on your heart. God has brought it, Steve, to your attention. This plight going on. Now, God brought it to your attention because God wants to partner with you to change their world. Is that different? Is that different? He left that church. How would our world have been different if he would not have left that church? Now, listen, listen, listen everybody. Steve Jobs, there's no, you know, everybody knows this. He was all about wanting to change the world. That was his passion to change the world. When he recruited John Scully, who became his CEO, there's a picture in this book of them sitting on a park bench in Central Park, and here is his recruitment speech. Scully was working for like Pepsi or Coca-Cola. He says, do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life or do you want an opportunity to change the world? Steve Jobs wanted to change the world. What if that pastor would have said, hey, Steve, God's just not going to do it. See, Steve was under the false impression. He needed somebody to give him the correct meaning of what the scripture is saying, what the Christmas story is all about, what all of scripture is really all about. God just doesn't do stuff. God is not going to do anything for you this Christmas. Nothing. Nothing, big lump of coal for you. God's not going to do anything for you this Christmas. God does everything through partnership. Whatever God does through you, it's because you partner with him or somebody else partner with him and it blesses you. That's the way God works. He's a divine community. It's interdependence. This is how God functions in the world. Let me, let me try to put some life to it this way. It was our first night in our apartment after coming back from our honeymoon and we had just eaten dinner. And my wonderful wife, Krista, turned to me. She says, okay, you do the dishes. And she was going to do something else, whatever she was going to work on. And she, you know, but that's all I remember. She said, you do the dishes, okay? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know how. And she said, what did you say? I said, I don't know how. I've, I've never done the dishes. I've never done laundry. I've never made a bed. I've never cleaned a bathroom. My godly mother did all those things for me, and that's what godly women do. <laughs> things got very ungodly in a hurry. It was, it was absolutely amazing what took place in the next few moments, and I learned that's not what godly women do. Godly women actually, they actually train husbands to do those things. That's what I come to, to find out. Now, Krista, Krista was very upset with me, but she was upset with somebody else. So who was she upset with? If you're a, if, if you're a woman here today, if you could yell it out, who was she upset with besides me? My mother, my godly mother. She was very upset with my godly mother. Why was she upset with my godly mother? She had never, but she had done everything for me. Listen, everybody. What happens when you do something, everything for somebody else? You don't create a little angel. You create a little monster. Now, I know we want God. Hey, God, look at this need. Look at this problem. Why aren't you changing this? Why aren't you doing that? Here's the thing. God says, this is very important, everybody. If God just did everything without our partnership, God would not be creating little angels. God would be creating little monsters. Interdependence. God works with us to change the world. The question that we're being asked this Christmas here 
as we're doing this Advent conspiracy is, will you say yes to partnering with God? Will you say yes to partnering with God? Ever since the beginning of this church, we have always looked to make strategic partnerships. We try to vet out the best organizations to work with. We look for organizations that are very effective and very efficient at what they do. This is not an easy thing to do. I just want to tell you this because we've looked into this a lot. You got to find a, you got to find an organization that's really hitting a home run and something that's super important to you. And you got to know that financially they're effective and efficient and then what they do and how they minister or how they serve or whatever they're doing, whether they're a Christian or a secular organization, and we work with both, but we have worked very hard to vet them out. And so I want to give you a rundown of some things that we're doing and what we're going to ask you to do is we're going to ask you something very different this Christmas season. We're going to ask you to partner with us and partner with God at changing the world. Now, Americans are set to spend about $600 billion this Christmas alone, $600 billion. Look, I'm not telling you not to go out and buy that gift. I'm not telling you that at all. But there could be along the way some gifts that you might buy that you know, maybe you really didn't need, like that ugly sweater or, you know what I'm saying? It could be some goofy little thing. And maybe instead of giving that gift, maybe you could take that money, you could, you could take that money and you could use it to change somebody's life. Maybe maybe on certain things. And this is what we want to ask you to consider. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown of some stuff that we're doing. First of all, next week, we're doing this event called Stop Hunger Now. Stop Hunger Now. We will make 100,000 meals. 100,000. We will, we will partner with God to change the lives of 100,000 people who are living in a desperate situation somewhere in the world next week. Is that awesome or what? We will all group together. We'll go down to the gym. Instead of being here at 9.30, we'll be down in the gym at 9.30, and we'll make 100,000 meals, and we'll bless somebody with it. And you know what? This is total grace here. These are people that you don't know. They're living in a country more than likely that you'll never step foot in. And that's what grace is all about. But you'll partner with God and you'll make a difference in their lives. And as you make it, I hope what you'll have, the vision in your mind that you'll have is, is not that, oh man, I got to pour the stuff in the funnel. and the kind of. Instead, I hope that you get in your mind, the vision in your mind is, is the end product of this being handed to somebody and somebody getting a meal that doesn't have a meal. Look, there are places in our world that are very, very dark. And where there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of desperation. And when there's a lot of desperation, people do desperate things. Now, we can make a difference with that. We can all partner with God and deliver a meal. And this is what we're asking. So what we're calling this is make a meal, change a life. Make a meal, change a life. When you leave that event next week, and we hope that you'll invite all your friends. We have plenty of room for all kinds of people because that gymnasium is as big as an aircraft hangar down there. It's huge. And we will give you this meal, and we'll tell you, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Whatever you do, don't eat it. Instead, what we want you to do is come back for the second part of this big event. All this is a huge chain reaction, one thing leading to another, and every week it keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better. We'll ask you to come back on December the 14th, two weeks from today, and to bring your meal. And we're going to talk about eating a meal and changing a life. IJM, the International Justice Mission, a fabulous organization that is rescuing kids out of physical and sexual abuse around the world. Pablo from IJM is going to be with us. He's going to give us a very stirring talk about what they're doing in the world. 
going to talk to us about that. And when he gets done, we are going to hand IJM the biggest check that Grace Community Church has ever written because we want to partner with that. We want to partner with rescuing kids out of physical and sexual abuse because we believe that that's completely wrong and we believe that Jesus doesn't want anything to do with that and we believe that Jesus wants us to partner with IGM to put an end to that. How does that sound? So we're going to do that. So we will have given you the meal. So you know what that means? Well, that means after December the 14th, you don't need to buy a meal sometime that week. Instead, you can make a meal. There's six meals in this one bag. And so we're going to have a special place here where you can, whatever you spend on a meal, I don't know, some of you spend 10 bucks on a meal and some of you are big eaters, you spend 100 bucks on a meal. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is that you spend on a meal, we just ask that whatever you do, instead of buying that meal that week, because we gave you the meal, is that you would take that money and you would place it in a special offering that we have. And all of that money is going to go go to a very special project by Compassion International called Child Survivor Program. I will explain more about it then. I'm not going to take up the time to do it now. But this, in a nutshell, blesses and protects kids right from birth. Many, many single moms we minister to by the Child Survivor Program. Compassion International works on the prevention side. They prevent kids from going into physical and sexual abuse. IJAM is on the rescue side, so we've got both sides of the equation covered here. And we'll ask you to do that. Now, if you are single, if you're a single person, we are doing an event that day on December the 14th. A few months ago, we did an event at Ted's Montana Grill, and we just, for no cause, whatever, we said we're just having lunch, and we had 60 singles show up that day, and we had lunch. Any purpose, no cause. Ted's wasn't ready for us. It was a fiasco. It took about... <laughs> three hours to eat. They, I think, expected five people show up. Instead, 60 people showed up. And so here's what we've done. Uh, we got Ping. We got, uh, Dan, you got Ping. There it is. Ping restaurants down in Sherlington, right down the street from us. Here's what we needed. We needed a restaurant to give us the full run of the restaurant. We needed them to say, hey, we're closed and we're giving ourselves to Grace Community Church today. You got the whole restaurant. This is what Ping has done for us. So we have the run of the entire restaurant. And here's the thing. We know this about you. You are going to eat lunch on December the 14th. Okay? You're going to do this. What we're asking you to do is we're asking you to eat lunch if you're single. And the reason we can't open to everybody is Ping can only hold 100 or so people. And so we feel like once we tell you about this, we would max the place out. So that's why we're just doing it with singles. What they're going to do is whatever money that we spend, they're going to give us a kickback of a percentage. And 100% of that money is going to go to this child survivor program. Can it get any better than that? It, it is going to cost us $25,000 to start the Child Survivor Program. And our goal is, is to be able to raise that money so we can help these kids down in Guatemala. We're going to explain much more of this in, in, in the future, okay, in the days to come. But we hope to raise that money that day between pings and between the offering here to make a difference. And then you'll come back on December 21st and we'll tell you how we did. But there's our game plan throughout this Christmas season. Eat a meal, change your life. Good. I have just a few minutes left. I want to say just a couple brief wrap-up words to all of that. We all want God to change our world, right? This is natural. There's nothing wrong with that. I want God to change my world too. It's why I pray. I just, you know, I pray for all of you a lot, but I want you to know I also pray for me, okay? So there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong for us praying ourselves. So, but here's the thing I want you to think about. 
while you're waiting for God to change your world, get busy changing someone else's. Okay? I'm going to say it again. Because a bunch of you are in that boat. Probably 100% of us are in this boat together. While you are waiting for God to change your world, to show up in your life, while you're waiting for God to change your world, get busy changing someone else's. It's a wonderful thing. It's a powerful thing. Now, uh, I want to see if I can illustrate something for you real quick. Okay? I have a, I have a hammer here. Okay? Oh, that hurt. What's my natural reaction if I hit my finger with the hammer? I didn't really. I didn't really do it. It's just an illustration. I don't love you that much to do the illustration. Okay. <clears throat> what would be my natural reaction to the, It would be to grab it. It would be because when we're in pain, we do what? This is only natural. We focus on, our, on ourselves. So if we have a problem that we need solved or a passion we need satisfied or we have some kind of pain or some, our natural human tendency is to turn into ourselves and to focus in on ourselves. And what we want to challenge you with this Advent season, with this Advent conspiracy, is to do what Jesus teaches us to do, and that is to actually turn out, to turn out and to focus on other people. So uh, let me give you a couple of scriptures, and then, and, and then we'll end this, okay? So here's what it says. Proverbs 11.25, the Proverbs say this, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What is it saying? It's saying, if you'll turn out and you'll look, even though you have your own needs, if you'll get busy changing somebody else's world, God will then refresh you. It's a very strong principle throughout the Bible. Very strong principle throughout the Bible. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. Here is what we know. And I can tell you this from the studies I've read, particularly when we did our relationship series recently, particularly with males, with males, males, one of the greatest desires that a man has in his life is to be a part of something great, to do something great. So Jesus says, the greatest among you will be your servant. We all want to be a part of something great. And the way to do that is to turn out and to be a servant instead of turning in. The human tendency is to begin to turn. Okay, well, I need to do, I need, and it's to, be, it's to begin to turn out. Steve Jobs, as crazy as he was, wanted to make a difference in other people's lives. Now, this is true. This is true. Many studies done on this. People in our world who are the most fulfilled people, people who have the most meaning in their life, are people who look at the world and say, what can I add to others? What can I add to the world? This is a proven fact. And people who are the most unfulfilled are the people who say, what can I get? What can I get? We want this to be the most meaningful Christmas in your entire life, but we've got to begin to turn out to do that and follow this principle. Galatians 6, a man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, turning in, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, turning out, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Some of us here are weary in doing good. And what the Bible is saying is, okay, don't become weary. It's okay. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. There is a, a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Final verse of Scripture is this. Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 6 says something very important to all of us. He says this, Give, and it will be given to you. 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure used, it will be measured back to you. Okay, I would like to end by trying to illustrate something uh, to you, and then we'll all go our merry way. We're going to turn the lights out if we can real quick. I'm going to show you something with the flashlight. Going to get dark, so nobody start making out in here. Let's keep it. We're in church. All in church. So it says this about Jesus, that when Jesus came into the world, a great light, a great light entered the world. This hope is light. Now, my tendency, because I want my world changed, is to want to think about that light focusing on me. And, and if we allow ourselves to slip too far with that, we can focus so much of that light in on us that we can no longer see that light shining. Now, what did Jesus say about letting your light shine? Matthew chapter 5. Let your light shine to all the world. Don't hide it. Don't hide it in yourself. He says instead, if you'll take that light and you'll shine it to all the world, I will begin to make a difference through you, through a partnership with you. We have to turn out, we have to fight that desire at all points in our life of allowing that light to focus just on us and instead go against the grain and to shine that light out on other people. And if we do that, God will begin to multiply the light. So Luke chapter 6, Jesus speaking, he says, give, and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. This Christmas season, we want to challenge you to fight against that human tendency to turn the light on yourself and instead shine it out on others to partner with God, to make a difference in this world. And you know what God's going to do with those few loaves of bread and fishes? He's going to multiply them many times over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, you're going to have more light than you ever knew what to do with. It is a beautiful thing. Will you take that challenge? Will you partner with Jesus Christ this Christmas season to make a difference in this world? And when you get done with it, though you're not going to be thinking about it anymore, what you're going to find is you have a much greater light in your life than you could have ever imagined. Here's where the partnership begins. Begins by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. There are those of us here, you've thought about it, you've heard about it, maybe you've never known how to do this. You've never known how to do this. You've never known how to begin a partnership with Jesus Christ in the first place. What does that look like? How do you do it? I don't want to really briefly in the next few seconds walk you through that. It begins with what Romans chapter 10 says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So you know what, I'd like, to, I'd like all of us to pray a prayer this morning together that I'm gonna lead you in and you're gonna pray back. And here's the thing, uh, I don't want you to get nervous. I don't want you to say, oh man, I went to church today and that preacher tricked me into praying a prayer and now I got Jesus in my life and I can't get him out, okay? I just wanna say that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, it goes to your heart like God knows really what's in your heart, what you wanna believe, okay? But I think it's really important to know exactly how is this done scripturally? How does Jesus say this partnership begins? How does the light enter our lives in the first place so then we can take the light of Jesus Christ and begin to shine it out?
So I'd like you to pray with me, if you will. Okay? So I'm going to pray a line, and you pray after. Okay? If we all can do this together, every single one of us. And if you don't believe it, that's fine. God's not going to jump into your life against your will. But if you do, what an amazing way to begin the Christmas season. What an amazing way to begin a partnership. What an amazing way to begin shining His light on a world that desperately needs it. Let's pray. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Save me because I cannot save myself. Amen. That's how the Bible says that this partnership begins. If you prayed that prayer and you've never prayed anything like that before, I want to encourage you, rather than just jumping up and going eating lunch today, take a few moments to stay in your seat or visit our prayer wall right over here. Our prayer team's going to be there and have somebody. This is really important. For some of us this morning, you prayed that prayer for the first time and you really meant it and believed it. And all of a sudden you are having an encounter right now with Jesus Christ. And it's a very moving moment for you. I can remember, even though it was decades ago for me that I prayed that prayer, I can remember it like it was yesterday. My life got changed. I can't save myself. I need Jesus to save me. I entered a partnership with Jesus Christ. He did the saving and I did the, I did the receiving. Allow your light to shine this Christmas like never before. Like never before. Prayer team's here. If you're new to grace, it's important that you know what in the world is this church about? What in the world is a church people don't go to church? We meet right over here. I know you can't see the sign. That's okay, but it's right over here. In three, in three minutes, in three minutes, there you go. In three minutes, we meet right over here. We're going to tell you in less than five minutes who we are, why we are, and what we are. It's really important to know. Let's pray and then we'll go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person here. Every single person is here today, not by accident. You brought every single person here, God, because you want to establish a partnership with every single one of us. Because God is... is as frustrated as we are with this world, as depressed as we can be about things, God, your concern is far greater still. And you are anxious, anxious, anxious to make a difference in our lives and in our world. Lord, as we begin a partnership with you this Advent season, Lord, would you multiply the light over and over and over again that this might be the greatest Advent we have ever experienced in our lives. In Christ's holy name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Have a wonderful day. See ya. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.